um, talk to you guys this morning about uh, a, about a time of in Scripture that's really, really important to me. I apologize if I pause and look kind of crazy because I keep seeing these messages pop up on the screen because I'm doing the selfie mode and I am totally like squirrel and I get distracted trying to read these comments and still think and talk to you guys. So if I you know freeze or phase out, you know that's why. So I'm not you know there's nothing wrong with me. Hopefully, well there is a lot of things wrong with me. Anyway. Um, but I want to share with you one of my favorite passages of Scripture. Uh, it's one of my favorite stories from the Old Testament. And I say story, but it's so very, very true. It's God's Word, and it's a true account of some events that happen. Um, but it comes from 2 Kings chapter 6. And so if you've got a Bible nearby, um, you probably can't look on your phone because a lot of people are probably watching this on your phone. But, you know, look at your Bible, 2 Kings chapter 6, and I'm going to kind of tell you a little bit of the background and read a portion of this, this account here this morning. But it's about Elisha. He was a prophet who followed after Elijah. Um, a lot of us have definitely heard about Elijah, and a lot of us probably know Elisha, too. But um, Elisha was the, the, the guy who came after Elijah, and he was such a neat guy. He has some really amazing stories. And uh, one of the things that happened to him is that the king of Syria, or Aram, depending on you know what translation you're looking at. I'm reading from the English Standard Version this morning. Um, but the king of Aram, the king of Syria, was sending people in, and they were attacking the Israelites. And Elisha, being a man of God, he knew, because God was giving him this wisdom, he would say, okay, be careful, don't go here, don't go there, because they're waiting to attack you. And it was frustrating the king of Aram, the king of Syria, and he was uh, getting really angry, and he was blaming all kinds of people. He said, you know, there's a spy among us. Somebody is a sellout. Somebody's going and telling these secrets. Uh, Y'all, excuse me, I need a drink of water. He said, somebody's a sellout. Somebody's going in and telling these secrets. One of you guys are betraying me. And they said, no, it's, it's not. There's this man of God uh, in Israel, Elisha, and he is the one who... Just God's given him this power to tell everything that's said here, even in the secret place inside your chamber. And it was, uh, he finally said, okay, where is he? They figured out where Elisha was, and they sent this whole army to surround where he was. Um, he was there in Dothan, and it, his village was down in this valley, and so the army came and surrounded the entire valley. So Imagine this massive army of chariots and horsemen and soldiers all around this valley. And early in the morning, it says, verse 15 of chapter 6, 2 Kings, it says, When the servant of the man of God rose early in the morning and went out, behold, an army with horses and chariots was all around the city. And the servant said, Alas, my master, what shall we do? He said, do not be afraid, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. That is nice words. <laughs> I don't know about y'all, but I, I really can relate to this, you know, in a really, you know, figurative way, is that there's a lot of times in my life, and this is probably one of my times right now, because like I said, I haven't been able to be with church family any Sundays in this year. I mean, we've either quarantined or everybody's watched online like today and last week. And when I get separate from family, church family, it's tough. 
And so this past couple of years I know have been incredibly tough for a lot of people because there are some that have just been so distanced from everybody. And we've all been distanced in some way or another. And life is just difficult. And it seems like there's one hit after another and one more kick and one more kick while you're down. And it sort of feels like we're surrounded a lot of times. And then sometimes people say, you know, encouraging things to us. And it, sometimes it doesn't feel very real. You know, they say things like, oh, you know, God's on our side. But sometimes you feel like, is he really? You know, you feel like, is he really listening? Is he really there? And it's difficult. And so Elisha tells him, he says, look, there's more that are with us than are with them. And maybe, you know, it's such a quick story, and I, I paused right there, but the servant, you know, he might have thought, oh, yeah, right. You know, it's nice coming from you. You know, you're the uh, man of God, all that sort of stuff. It's easy for you to say that. But he said there again in verse 16, he said, Do not be afraid, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And then in verse 17, that's when the cool stuff happens. It says, then Elisha prayed and said, oh Lord, please open his eyes that he may see. So the Lord opened the eyes of the young man and he saw and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. Man, I love that. And you know, there's been times that I've prayed for stuff like that. It's like, God help me to see what's going on around me. And it's probably a good thing because I bet that was, in a lot of ways, a terrifying thing. It was one thing, it's terrifying to look around and see this enemy army all surrounding you and you feel like, oh my gosh, all hope is lost. And he's like, he cries out to the master. He's like, oh my goodness, what do we do? And he says, look, there's more with us than are, um, than are with them. And, you know, he's thinking, I don't know. He prays for his eyes to be open. His eyes are open. And then he sees what is comforting and probably terrifying. And I want you to know that, you know, maybe sometimes you don't see, and I don't see behind the curtain, so to speak. We don't see all the, the things that God's doing behind the scenes. And that might be a good thing because it might terrify us to the point of death. Anytime we see accounts of angels in the Bible appearing to people, it says that they were afraid, they were terrified, and they had to be told, uh, don't be scared. I don't know if I remember that from our kids' Christmas video. Um, but uh, they said, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid all the time because it was a terrifying thing. But it was also, in this situation, it was also a comforting thing. He looked and he saw this massive army around him out to hurt him. But then when his eyes were open, he saw this incredibly powerful, 10 times, million times greater army, chariots of fire surrounding that army. You know, I don't know about y'all, but there's times that you might want to get arrogant, you know, when you realize that you've got the upper hand. You know, you might be afraid at first, but then when you realize you got the upper hand, then you start talking a little smack. I don't know if the servant was like, yeah, yeah, what's up? Because, you know, he's thinking maybe they hadn't turned around and seen the army behind them yet. But then I want to encourage you to do one thing. Sometimes you might feel like Elisha's servant, and sometimes you might feel like Elisha. Sometimes you might see the power of God, the hand of God working in a situation when other people don't. But then there's other times that you don't see God's hand at all and you even start to question and wonder. I hope and pray that we will pray these prayers. Lord, open our eyes. Lord, open their eyes. It goes on, it says in verse 18, it says, and when the Syrians came down against him, Elisha prayed to the Lord and said, please strike this people with blindness. Blindness. 
So he struck them with blindness in accordance with the prayer of Elisha. And Elisha said to them, This is not the way, and this is not the city. Follow me, and I will bring you to the man whom you seek. And he led them to Samaria. He goes on and tells the story. What he did was he prayed they'd be blind. They're coming down the hill. That would be a terrifying thing. Uh, riding a horse. Horses are out to kill us. That's just a little side note. I won't charge you for that. But you're riding a horse down a hill, and you're charging down. You think you're you know, this powerful army, and then you go blind. That's terrifying. He gets down there. He says, hold on. You're in the wrong place. I'm going to lead you to where you need to go. And he leads them right into the capital city of his people, Israel. And this is such a cool story because the king of Israel at that time is like, hey, I want to, uh, let's kill them. They're right here. You know, God's delivered them into our hands. And Elisha challenges him and calls on him to show mercy. And, you know, in Old Testament stories, there's not a lot of mercy shown in battles. But this is a really cool time when God tips his hand of what his mercy is really like. And, uh, you know, I thought we were going to be starting our new series today about talking about who God really is, but we're going to push that back until next week when we're in person. But we're going to talk a lot about that over those next few weeks is understanding the mercy of God and just how compassionate and good he is. He wants to spare us. He wants to save us. So anyway, back to our two guys here. I want to focus on them for the most part. God's delivered his people right here. He's delivered Elisha. He's delivered his servant. He's delivered this whole village. The whole village probably would have been destroyed. Who knows what would have happened? But I want you to consider, are you having the opportunity right now to be Elisha? Or right now, are you experiencing life like the servant? If you are like Elisha right now, and your faith is up, and you see the goodness of God, and you understand where he's working behind the scenes, even when it's quiet, even when it feels like all hope is lost, even when it feels like you're surrounded by the enemy, who do you need to reach out to and pray for? Um, who do you need to encourage? Who do you need to text? Who do you need to have lunch with? Because it's our prerogative. It's our challenge. It's our opportunity to do what we can to encourage other people and pray for them that their eyes would be open, that they would be able to see what God is doing, even when it looks like all hope might be lost. We are our brothers and our sisters keepers. We are not islands where we can go through this life of faith alone. We are made to be part of the body. If you are a Christian, you are a part of the body, and the body cannot be disjointed and disconnected from one another. God, uh, Jesus prayed in one of his priestly prayers before he goes uh, to the cross. He prayed that we would be one, that the church would be one, and that's how the world would know us. That's how the, we, he would know, the world would know that we belong to him because we would be united. So we've got to be united. We need to encourage one another and pray for one another. So who do you need to pray for as an Elisha so that people's eyes would be open, so they could see they wouldn't be discouraged to the point of wanting to quit and give up? And if you're in that place of you're like the servant and your eyes are not open, I'd encourage you to pray. And I'd encourage you to seek out somebody who can be an Elisha for you. Don't just sit there and feel defeated and feel like nobody cares and nobody listens and nobody wants to know what's going on to you. Reach out, reach out like Peter did as he's sinking in the water. Cry out, cry out to Jesus, cry out to your brothers and sisters in Christ. Reach out to people. Send us a message here. Don't sit alone and feel as if nobody cares and you feel like God's not listening. God is listening. You just need your eyes open to see. Well, this isn't just an Old Testament idea. The Apostle Paul in Ephesians chapter 1 said this. One verse. Uh, I'm going to back, read it back up and read verse 15. 
He says, for this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints. See, I want to back up a little farther. <laughs> I want to get some good context here. It says, verse 13, in him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory this eternal life, this being face-to-face -face with God. And he said, for this reason, verse 15, because I've heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation and the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened or opened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of the glorious inheritance in the saints and what is the immediate, excuse me, immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his great might that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named not only in this age but also in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church. You and me which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. I love that passage. And Paul prays that, that through God's word, digging into God's word and hearing God's truth, that we ha would have our eyes open, just like Elisha prayed for his servant's eyes to be open. So I want you to seek out who you can pray for. And maybe right now you need to be prayed for. And, that, and that's cool. You pray to God, reach out to him, ask him, reach out to brothers and sisters. or And then turn and still reach and pray for other people's eyes to be open so that we could understand the true inheritance that we have in Jesus. I believe what the scripture teaches us is that we are not... You know, this whole thing with Jesus is not just so that our sins could be forgiven. I believe the full measure of the inheritance is to be with God face to face for all eternity, the way we were meant to be back in the Garden of Eden. The sin is paid for because that's the barrier between us and God for all eternity. And so that's, yes, a benefit. Yes, that's a blessing. But we need to do what we can to get to see God Get to see Jesus face to face. Be one with the Holy Spirit so that we can spend eternity with God and not have to be separated like we are now. But the beautiful thing is, is that when we're Christians, we have the Holy Spirit living in us right now. We have this connection with God, but we have this fullness of the body of Christ in the church that we need to reach out to and lean on for our strength and for our encouragement. So remember who you need to pray for. Think about who you need to pray for. Pray that their eyes would be open. Pray that your eyes would be open. Let's do all we can to have our eyes open to see what God is doing, even when it seems like we're surrounded by the enemy. Because greater are the ones that are with us than are those that are against us. God is able, and we need to remind one another of that. There's going to be times that I'm weak, and I need you to encourage me. There's going to be times that you're weak that you need me to encourage you. Let's never give up encouraging one another and seeking to do good. Let's be the church and let's remind one another what Jesus did for us on the cross so that we could be with him forever.